It's Isaiah 56 and 7. Even them will I bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices shall be accepted upon mine altar, for mine house shall be called an house of prayer for all people. Matthew 21 and verse number 12. And Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. And he said unto them, It is written, My house shall be called the house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. I, am going to, I have a very simple title, and that is, An House of Prayer. I feel the presence of the Lord. I believe God's going to help us tonight. Can, we, can you set your Bible down, your iPad, your phone, anything that is encumbering your hands, and can you throw them in the air and ask God to talk to you and to let His anointing flow freely tonight. Father, I thank you for your awesome presence that we know is here. I thank you for an angelic host that you've already dispatched on our behalf and you're going to minister to people tonight. Father, I'm asking you that you will come into this place very boldly, that you will anoint me to speak exactly what you want spoken, nothing more and nothing less. Open our ears to hear what the Spirit would say to the church and by your Spirit and by your Word transform our minds, our spirits, and thereby transform our actions into what you want us to be, oh God, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Somebody shout amen. amen. And with that, you can be seated. Uh, can I dispense with the introduction and just tell you where I'm going right now? The only thing that can change the world is a praying church. A church that does not pray is not going to change the world for the better. The Bible tells us that with God, all things are possible. How many believe that? With God, all things are possible. But he also said in John 15, 5, he said, I am the vine and you're the branches, and he that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. So we have a, a, a contrast, a comparison here, if you will, that with God all things are possible, but without God nothing is possible. For we can't do anything. The necessity of life and living for God is we must be connected to Him. He is the vine or the main stem, and we are the branches, and the only way that the branch can produce any fruit is to be connected to the main stem or the vine and that connection is prayer somebody say it with me without him I can do nothing it is arrogant on our part as individuals to think that we can affect anything in the world to the good through our own talent, our own ability, or our own natural intelligence. It's arrogance on the part of the church to think that we can have good enough programs, plans, ideas, songs, or sermons to make an eternal change in our community. We must have God, and the only way to God is prayer. I wish you'd clap your hands unto the Lord. I'm not going to preach very long, but if... 
we have to have a connection with him. Prayer is the divine first of all. 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse number 1, I exhort therefore first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. He said first of all. Somebody say it with me. First of all. Prayer should be first in priority because it is first in importance. Mark chapter 1 verse 35, this is talking about Jesus. It says, And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, He went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. He started His day with prayer. Then in Matthew 14, 23, it says, When He had sent the multitudes away, He went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, He was there alone. So, He started his day with prayer and he ended his day with prayer. And Luke 6.12 says it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer. So he began days in prayer. He ended days in prayer. And there were some nights that he prayed all night long. Can I just submit to you, ladies and gentlemen, saints of God, that if Jesus Christ, God in flesh, had to pray, we better pray as well. If we're going to keep our flesh under subjection, we better make sure we... Jesus Christ Himself had to go to a garden and pray three times, Brother Pat, and say, not my will, but if this cup can pass from me, let it pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Jesus Christ, robed in flesh, had to pray three times. How much more we who just have a a down payment, just have the earnest of the Spirit living in us, how much more do we need to give ourselves to prayer? Our flesh will triumph over us if we don't pray. Watch and pray, he said, that you enter not into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Living by the power of the flesh will result in spiritual weakness. And if we don't pray, our flesh will drag us down. But when we pray, all things are possible. So Jesus prayed. David prayed in Psalm 63 verse 1. He said, O God, Thou art my God, early will I seek Thee. My soul thirsteth for Thee. My flesh longeth for Thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. David said, I will seek You early. Somebody shout early. Psalm 5 and 3, he says it this way, My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning I will direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. But then in Psalm 55, 17, he expands it and says, Evening, morning, and at noon I will pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. David, a man after God's own heart, understood, i got to begin with prayer, and i got to end with prayer, and i got to fill my day in the middle with prayer. That doesn't mean, folks, that we have to find an altar and kneel at four or five times a day. I'm so thankful that there's not one designated place that we have to go. There's not one wall that we have to go to and wail before. There's not a rug that we have to spread and we have to point our prayers to the east or to some direction toward a city. But we've got a God that fills all time and space. And no matter where you are or what you are doing, morning, evening, noon, whether it's at night, 
tonight you can lift your prayer unto God and have communion with Him. It's the most important thing that we can do. I, I want to get out of the habit of saying I'm going to spend time in prayer. I want to say I am investing time in prayer because when I... When you spend something, it's gone and you never get it back. I'm not spending time. I'm investing time with my Savior. I'm investing time with my Lord. I am investing time with my Father. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody say, first of all, it's the most important, most prominent thing that we must do with our lives. The armor of God is empowered by prayer. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 18 says this, praying always, after he, after he said, take unto you the helmet of salvation. Take unto you the breastplate of righteousness. Let your loins be girt about with truth. Let your feet be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Take the sword of the Spirit and above all the shield of faith wherewith you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. He said, after that praying always you can have faith and you can have truth and you can have righteous all those things but they're, they're, they are limited in what they can do whenever they're aside from prayer but if we will pray always Amen. he says praying always let me say that again praying always praying always praying always, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. Praying always. Matthew 26 and verse number 40. Don't lock up right now, but Matthew 26 and verse 40. Jesus had prayed that prayer in the garden where He prayed so intensely that His sweat became as great drops of blood. Somebody say, that's intense. That's intense. And I am not imploring nor impressing nor trying to persuade you to pray in such a manner that your blood will begin to separate and come out of your pores. Elbow your spouse if they're with you. Elbow somebody that's close to you and tell them, Pastor's not trying to get you to hurt yourself. Okay? But Jesus prayed so intensely because he was in such agony. He prayed, and, and we, we, we had already mentioned it, that, that He prayed three times, let this cup pass from me, nevertheless not my will, but thine be done. But Jesus got up from that, that first bit of prayer, and He goes to Matthew, I'm sorry, it was John and Peter and James, and it says that they were there asleep. Jesus had just, said, Jesus had just invited them to a prayer meeting. There was 11 disciples at that time, Jesus handpicked three. He said, I want you to go to this prayer meeting with me. He gets, he gets him to follow Brother Pat. The three, the three that are supposed to be, you know, these, these guys are special. We're going to take Peter and James and John. And Jesus says, I, I'm going to go just a little bit further. Will you watch in prayer with me? And Jesus comes back from that first prayer and he finds them asleep. And he utters these words. He says, what could you not watch with me? One hour. Could you not? Do you not understand the gravity of what's about to happen? Do you not understand the, what, what, what you're on the precipice of? Do you not understand the, the eternals that are about to come to pass? And could you not watch with me one hour? 
And we pat ourselves on the back sometimes. Now, now don't, don't, don't get too quiet. But we'll pat ourselves on the back, Brother Dwight, when we spend 15 minutes. Well, I did good. I spent 15 minutes in prayer. Now I can go about my day. I can go about the rest of my day. I spent my time with God. I got my 15 minutes in. But Jesus looked at those men and he said, Could you not spend just an hour with me in prayer? Could you not just spend an hour with me? And I'm not going to stand out. I, I don't think that an hour in prayer is a heaven or hell issue. I don't think that in, in any way, shape, or form. But I do think that we need to value the time that we can spend in prayer. Brother, I, I, I'm not certain who, who said this to me the other day, and I'm not certain where the, where the conversation started, but we were talking about uh, you know, people, people's growth in the kingdom of God, how, how, how people become uh, used in a greater way, or how people become mighty in the spirit, how, how people just mature in the kingdom. And I, I said to this individual that the number of years that you have had the Holy Ghost does not impact how old you are spiritually. The number of years that you've been quote-unquote saved does not impact how spiritually mature you are. What determines your spiritual age is the amount of time you have spent praying and in the Word and fasting and seeking the face of God. If you want to mature, there can be a 17-year-old kid stand up here and be more in tune with the Spirit than there are the saints that have been in the church for 40 years. Why? Because they carved out some time in their life to stay alone with the Savior. And whenever He begins to flow through your life, all of a sudden, you are not confined by the clock or the calendar, but you grow according to the proportion of time that you spend with Him. Amen. So he says, what? Could you not watch with me one hour? And I, I, So I'm, I'm not here to challenge you to pray an hour. For some people, there are probably people in this room that if I said you need to pray an hour, you'd have to cut back. Thank God for people like that. And so I'm not here to challenge you with a clock or 60 minutes or anything like that. But you might look at me and say, well, how could I possibly spend an hour in prayer? And I think that part of it is that we have looked at prayer the wrong way. And I, I'm going to talk about a lot. I think I'm going to talk about this next week, the week after. But, but, but we have been trained, Brother Pat, that all prayer is, is seeking God for needs. We have been trained that, that, and I know I said this Sunday, I'm going to repeat it. We have been trained out of James chapter 5 where he says, The fervent effectual prayer of the righteous man availeth much. I believe that scripture. Somebody say amen. amen. I believe fervent effectual prayer avails much. I believe that prayer changes things. And I believe that prayer ought to be fervent. That there's a time for prayer to be fervent and it will have an effect and it will avail much. But not all prayers should be focused that way. Some prayer is asking God what He thinks. Some prayer is asking God to direct your life. Some prayer is like the prayer of Moses where he said, I beseech thee, O God, show me your glory. It's not about a need. It's about you and me. 
How can I spend an hour? How can I invest an hour in prayer? You can invest an hour in prayer by doing what the Apostle Paul said in the verse we read in Ephesians where he said, Praying in all prayer. And I am on a mission. I've been on uh, this, you, you know, I've been talking about prayer for the last couple weeks. But I, I want to understand prayer. I'm going to put prayer in air quotes. Because we call all kinds of stuff prayer. And rightly so. But what do we mean whenever we say prayer? There are so many dimensions of prayer, and I'm going to mention a few of them, and I'm not going to preach very much longer, but I, I want to mention some different dimensions of prayer. There's relationship prayer, which, by the way, is the first type of prayer ever mentioned in Scripture. It is where God was walking with Adam in the cool of the day. Adam was not interceding for anything. He was not petitioning God for anything. He had everything he could ever want. It was only about relationship. That's the first type of prayer. The second, uh, I, I, I don't have a numerical list, so I better not count or I'll lose count. Relationship prayer. Somebody say relationship. They're seeking His face. Seeking His face. Somebody asks, what does that mean? What does God's face look like? Whenever it says, how do you seek God's face? Whenever you read that, the word face doesn't mean a visage. You know, it doesn't mean the front part of your head. It can mean that, but it simply means the presence. I'm seeking His presence. I just want to know you better. Oh, I just want to hear your voice. Oh, I feel the presence of God here right now. You know the best way to start a conversation with somebody, Brother Tim? The best way to start, somebody you don't know, you want to start a conversation? The best way to start a conversation with them? The only way. Ask them a question. That is how, that's how all conversations start, basically. Am I right? How did I get her to talk? <laughs> if you want to hear God talk, ask Him questions. You know, the old prophet, Eli, he knew the voice of God. He knew that was God talking. Samuel didn't know. The, the old prophet, Elijah, he could hear the voice of God. And so he would ask God questions, or God would ask him questions, and he would hear the voice of God. God would say to Elijah, What doest thou here, Elijah? But the young prophet, he didn't know the voice of God yet. And so the first recorded words we have after Elijah's ascension is Elisha says, Where is the God of Elijah? Ask God questions. He wants to have a relationship with you. Seek His face. There's a relationship prayer. There is seeking His face prayer. There is petition prayer where Jesus said, Ask and it shall be given unto you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be given unto you. For he that asketh receiveth and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened unto him. There is supplication, which is an appeal to the authority of God. There is intercession, which is, uh, which is a great visual. Is Abraham standing in the gap for uh, the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. There is the prayer of asking direction. David said, Shall we go up to the battle? 
asking direction. There is the keeping prayer where the, Jesus told us, pray that you enter not into temptation. There is mountain moving prayer. We don't even consider that prayer. But Jesus said, speak to the mountain. There is binding and loosing. There is warfare prayer. There is repenting prayer. There is transform me prayer. Like David prayed when he said, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. There is thanksgiving prayer. There is praising prayer. There is edifying prayer where we let the Holy Ghost flow through us for he that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself. Can I I just uh, digress a little bit and tell you that there's wall toppling prayer? There's earth quaking prayer, there's chain breaking prayer, there's prison opening prayer, there's eye opening prayer, there's cancer healing prayer there's devil slaying prayer there's prayer that avails much, there's prayer that prevails much, and there's prayer where we travail much, but it all is prayer and the church cannot be victorious without prayer We can be victorious without programs. We can be victorious without light shows. We can be victorious without clever intros and videos and all those kind of things. But we'll never be victorious without prayer. The church cannot be victorious without prayer. We need to get back to prayer as the cornerstone of our existence. He said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Steakhouses serve steak. And donut shops serve donuts. Coffee houses serve coffee. Now you might go to a steakhouse and get a salad, but that's not why you went. And you might go to a donut shop and get a chocolate milk because they usually have them there, but that's not why you went. And you can go to a coffee shop and you can get a muffin if you want to. But the center of it all, you went to the steakhouse because they had steak. And you went to the donut shop because they had donuts. And you go to the coffee shop because coffee is the centerpiece of what they do. And prayer must be the main business of the church. We can engage in all kinds of other things and programs and they're necessary. We need music. It's scriptural. we got to have preaching because we're saved by the foolishness of preaching. We've got to have worship. We've got to have all these other things. But the main dish is prayer. My house is not called a house of worship. My house is not called a house of praise. My house is not called a house of music. It's called a house of prayer. If we're not careful, and I I promise I'm getting ready to close. If we're not careful, we are going to give in to the entertainment mentality of this age and we need, we need preaching that entertains and we need music that tickles our ears and, and we need parts in the service that keep our attention and we, we, have, to, we have to cater to the, 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 the entertainment portion of our culture when what God really wants His house to be is a house of prayer. We need the power of God. Paul said this, When I came to you, brethren, I came to you not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. He said, My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of the power. We cannot be dependent on talent. We cannot be dependent on program. We cannot be dependent on how charismatic or not, the preacher is. What we must depend on is the power of prayer. Amen. Amen. 
Why don't you stand and I'll close. Let's lift our hands for a moment. God, you're an awesome God. Without you, we can do nothing. God, I don't want to even try to do anything without you. Lord, Lord, forgive me for being so carnally minded to think that, that I could accomplish anything of eternal use without you being involved and you directing and you anointing. Oh, God. When your neighbor comes, your neighbor needs anointed preaching, not just loud preaching. When your neighbor comes, your neighbor needs anointed musicians, not just talented musicians. When, you're, when your loved one comes that needs set free, it's the anointing that's going to break the yoke. And the anointing is going to come because we, sent, we spent time in prayer. When prayer... I want to get back to my opening text. When prayer was not the main business of the church, Jesus came in and He began to tear things apart. Knock stuff over. I'll leave you alone, buddy. He began to tear things down, rip tables off their legs and, 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 and topple stuff. And He tore it up. And He said, My house! shall be called the house of prayer. But you have made it a den of thieves. He indicated that prayer, if prayer was not the main business of the church, and he indicted them of larceny, you've made this place a den of thieves. Something was stolen. When God help us. Not to allow other stuff to steal our prayer. They became so enamored and so... I, 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 know, I know there were money changers there and they were cheating people. I understand that was probably going on as well. But when all that stuff was there, his house lost its purpose. Which was to be a house of prayer. He said, something's been stolen. But when the purpose of the house was restored... The blind and the lame came in and were healed. God help us not to allow other stuff to steal healing. See, all that stuff was there. And the people that had needs couldn't get in the house. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost so strong right now. If we're going to see people delivered like we want to see people delivered, we're going to have to be a house of prayer. If we as individuals are going to see revival in our families and our neighbors and our co-workers the way that we want to see that happen, we as individuals are going to have to be houses of prayer. Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? That you, you, you just, just pat yourself on the chest or point at yourself, I am the house of prayer. And if I allow too much stuff to clutter up what's going on in my life and I don't have time, something stole my prayer life. And I'll confess to you as your pastor that I haven't mastered this. And I know there are things in my life that steal my prayer time. But God, help us today to transform our minds, transform our spirits, and thereby transform our actions. God, make us a house of prayer.
If our church agenda gets so full that there's not room for prayer, if our lives just become so cluttered that there's no room for prayer, then there's no room for healing. There's no room for the miraculous. But if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and I will heal their land.